Welcome to the podcast series Anders Utrecht, where scholars and community organizers discuss how grassroots initiatives offer sustainable alternatives to urban organization in the Utrecht region. Join the sustainable urban transformation and tune in to hear what we can do differently in Anders Utrecht. Hi everyone, you are listening to the second episode of this series in which we will talk about food systems and the ecologically and socially sustainable alternatives in the city of Utrecht. My name is Ozan Alakoklar, I am one of the members of Anders Utrecht and today we are with Leonie Hosselet, Jody uh, Matka, Berend Horsens and Giuseppe Feola. Uh, hello, my name is Leonie Hosselet, uh, I'm part of FOCO Utrecht, uh, which means uh, food collective. And I uh, am in the team that um, arranges the transport because the main thing that we do is get uh, vegetables and other fresh um, goods uh, from uh, local farmers to people living in the city. Hi, I'm Jodie and I'm part of Taste for Your Waste. So I um, coordinate the Wednesday pickup and that means I cycle around the city and deliver food. And then on a Saturday I regularly cook. Uh, hello, I'm Berend. Um, I coordinate the Monday pickup and the Thursday pickup, and also I cook. And yeah, we're, we're both organizing things. Yeah, it's a bit all-round position. I think you always have in this before you wish. And I'm Giuseppe Feola. I'm based at the Copernicus Institute of Sustainable Development, and my research is uh, about ongoing processes of uh, societal transformation to sustainability. And more specifically, most of my research is about grassroots um, initiatives in the agri-food sector. So I study and collaborate with community-supported agriculture, uh, food projects, food collectives, and so forth. Great. Uh, welcome again, uh, Leonie, uh, Jody, uh, Berend, and uh, Giuseppe. And uh, with this, um, uh, I would like to begin asking about your organizations uh, and uh, what does your organization do to improve uh, urban sustainability uh, from a food perspective? So yeah, Taste Before You Waste is all about anti-food waste practices. So four times a week we collect food and we take it to places that need food. So there are five different green graces in the city of Utrecht where we have a connection and we deliver this food in our beautiful block feeds um, to a uh, asylum shelter and to a free shop um, and we put it inside a solidarity fridge so people can just access it whenever they want and take some food if they're in need of some food or they can leave some food if they have extra food around <laughs> and we also uh, cook every Saturday and these meals we either put into Tupperware or we hand out uh, for free on the streets um, and this is a nice way of like making a small community with every meal and just sharing food um, which is such a human experience yeah we cook for different events and protests um, you can often see us around the city great thanks and uh, how about foco well we are a collective of volunteers um, and we we well basically we drew a line um, or a circle around the notice square and we said okay we we want to uh, support farmers that are uh, approximately 30 kilometers from the from the notice square so so yeah very nearby some of the farmers are actually in the city and we have an ordering system it, it works almost the same as when you would go online to shop at uh, Albert Heijn 
Um, you can order uh, whatever you you like from these farmers and we pick it up and it gets distributed once uh, in two weeks and now in the se summer season once a week uh, at uh, Averechts, which is a cafe that is um, uh, originally uh, squatted, from, coming from the squatting scene. And I think you hear some noise from outside, so city noise. <laughs> yes, maybe I should tell that. We are uh, at School of Governance at the exactly city center and uh, we are doing this recording in one of the meeting rooms. We have to keep the windows open, of course, for the COVID measures. That's why uh, you may hear some background noise mostly coming from the road. And with this, uh, I'll get back to Giuseppe. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here and have the opportunity to, to have a conversation with uh, Leonie, Jody and, uh, and Berend because I think these are really two great examples of grassroots initiatives or grassroots action that tackle some of the fundamental flaws of uh, agri-food systems from excess food waste to the unsustainability of food production that essentially these are systems that aim to produce um, cheap food but at the cost of not only of ecosystems, but also of food cultures and laborers. So there was an aspect that I wanted to ask um, our guests here, uh, Leonie, Jody, and Berend, and to hear more about, and that um, I think the capacity of these initiatives to do more than work towards sustainability or ecological sustainability, but really the capacity to build community. In my view, what you do, guys, is... is it's this, right? It's yes. It, you work towards food and food sustainability, but you really create community. You create connections between people, between people and places. You make place. You make the city. You make a different city. And I think this is very different from what, uh, say, business does when business works towards sustainability of the food system. Yeah, you, we know uh, labels like EcoLabel or, or other certifications. And these certifications might have some effects on reducing the environmental impact of food, but that's what, what it does. That's where it stops. It doesn't have this extra value, which is the community building. So I wonder if you perhaps want to expand a little bit on this. It's something I recognize. Um, for one thing, uh, we, we enter into a relationship with the farmers also. Uh, and for example, um, we just called them all up recently and asked them like hey do you need some extra help because of uh, covid or and uh, this resulted in all kinds of small actions that we did for them and also we went there to help them on the field and this is yeah something a supermarket wouldn't give you and also as the uh, community of 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 FOCO, uh, members uh, just this wednesday when i picked up my my uh, veggies um, there was this other girl also picking up her veggies and we were like, wow, this salad is so big. Oh, do you want half of it? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I'll give you my uh, sage because it's also so much. So, and this experience you would never have at the supermarket where, yeah, there's basically no contact with other, uh, buyers. So that feels, that makes me feel like I'm part of a community. Yeah. For us, it's really about solidarity and not just about only tackling food waste because this is really important that we're not we could also sell it i mean and a lot of companies like to go to go on they do do this and i mean i'm not saying that this is wrong but i think it's really important to create a sense of solidarity that this is all a common problem and we want to help those people who have less and uh, to connect with those people and to see their struggles and to instead of just 
making um, the problem of food waste something which is only environmentally to also show that this is also a really big social problem because there are a lot of people who have a hard time managing to get enough money for the month to get food and then they either buy really cheap food or they just buy less food so in that sense I think it's really important to com- always combine the social and environmental justice in that sense. Great. So what I have heard from this kind of conversations that there are some uh, values and principles that you cherish. And you mentioned about uh, solidarity. You mentioned about community building. You also mentioned about relationship building. Would you elaborate on these, please, uh, uh, from your organizational point of view? Uh, what are the values and principles that drive your organization? Uh, well, for FOCO, it's um, um, passion for local food, uh, passion for local farmers, um also eating with the seasons because we don't uh, take uh, food that comes from heated uh, greenhouses um also less uh, packaging because uh, basically nothing is is packaged yeah and also working together to to do it because we um, we all volunteer for example i am in the uh, transport group uh, like four times a year i i go to the farmers to pick everything up others might work on the website Uh, everyone contributes something. Yeah. How how is it for you guys? Uh, horizontally organizing is very important, um, which means there's no hierarchy, and we really encourage people to take on different roles, uh, so that not all the time the same people are doing it, and to also uh, show people you can learn a lot of skills, and it's not super hard to, for example, do the finance or to coordinate an event or to coordinate to really uh, show people. You can achieve a lot and you don't need to have permission to go. It's just about your own motivation. If you really want to do something, go for it. And we will provide uh, as a group. Uh, and in that sense, yeah, for us, it's just really important that everybody's equal and nobody has a higher say in things and that we really have to yeah, get consensus on things in order to make things happen uh, so that nobody really feels left out. Uh, for us, it's really important to... Uh, also be politically engaged uh, with other groups and to show solidarity with other groups. Say, for example, the Women's March, we cooked for them, and and the May Day, these are events yeah, which are about different struggles than we fight for, but we do think that these struggles are interconnected and that we need to be together in all these struggles and to, to help each other and, and show solidarity to each other because these struggles are related and We need to fight them all together and and not fight them by, by ourselves. So for us, it's really important to have this political dimension in our organization as well to not only uh, stay in our own bubble, to re- but to really connect with other groups and to yeah think about a better world together with other people, not about only from your own perspectives. That already indicates how uh, you do things differently, I would say. Uh, but also given the notion of Anders Utrecht, Uh, I have another question for you, for both of you, that how you see yourself as different or unders from other food-related organizations. Uh, can you uh, elaborate on that? Yeah, I think, uh, well, apart from the fact that, that our work includes volunteering, I think uh, we are quite close to ordering your um, groceries online from a regular supermarket. If you compare us to, for example, Kansrijk, uh, uh, which is also part of the Anders Utrecht list, uh, there you, you go there and you harvest the, the veggies yourselves, which I think is super cool. Um, but it, it takes a little bit more time um, than you might not have. Um, and also there's some initiatives that give you a pre 
uh, packed uh, um, bag with goods. And with us, you can just choose whatever you want to buy. So that's differences that I see. And now that I meet you guys um, uh, from Taste Before You Waste, I also hear that you have like a very social component. It's really part of your DNA, which I think is really inspiring. And I, I think also uh, that's not really part of, of Focus DNA. Of course, we are so we have solidarity with the farmers. But I would really like to expand some experiments that we are doing now. For example, uh, we work together with a man from Utrecht that takes care of a couple of families um, that don't have enough uh, money to buy food, but they are not uh, electable for the Voedselbank, uh, the free food bank. Um, so that's something. Oh, yeah, we, we can order food for them. Uh, which I think is really cool and I, I would really like to do stuff like that more with FOCO, but that's my personal uh, view, but I think that's really inspiring. Okay, For, from your point of view? Um, yeah, I guess we're different in that uh, we have very low spending costs, so we don't need much money to um, do the pickups or to cook, just some oil and some salt, um, which means I guess we're quite um, quite old now. We're like seven or eight years old. So even though people come and go, the volunteers um, all leave at some point and then new volunteers arrive, it's the, the setup is quite long-lasting. Um, yeah, and we just have like, a very creative attitude, I suppose. Great. Um, and then I'll turn to Giuseppe. Um, I think we, we may note that there might be an increasing interest uh, in this kind of organizations. And I wonder, uh, from a research perspective, uh, do you see a trend there? Do you recognize a trend uh, concerning these kind of alternative food networks or alternative food organizations? Yeah, absolutely. That's a um, phenomenon, uh, which we have two uh, great examples here, but which is broader and uh, some researchers call these alternative food networks. So there are different ways of governing food systems with an eye to local production, as Leni said, but also quality, sustainability, or other ethical values. And the phenomenon is very diverse. So you have all sorts of um, different ways of governing food systems from, from fair trade and some sort of certification based on fairness, but really relying on market mechanisms to food collectives, uh, community-led initiatives, um, and, and all sorts of food cooperatives, and, and so on. So it's a, it's a broad range, really, of, um, of initiatives. And in research, we tend to put them under an umbrella of, say, alternative food networks. Great. And uh, I guess uh, we can also uh, discuss about the need for these organizations. Why do we see these kind of organizations? Why do we have FOCO? Why do we have Test Before You Waste? And why do we have some other alternative food network? Probably they address a kind of need or a kind of problem uh, in our current society. And with this, I would like to invite to discuss more about um, the, the problem that you are trying to solve with your organizations and uh, how do you see this and what kind of problems you note in the food system uh, from your own perspective or from your organizational perspective? Um, well, the, the problem that I see or that I personally uh, feel strong about is uh, that uh, supermarkets have so much uh, power. They basically have a monopoly on what we eat. Um, they make certain choices. Uh, they select certain farmers. They uh, uh, discuss the prices. And this is a very non-transparent uh, system. Um, 
and also there's there's a big distance between uh, the person that comes into the store and buys something and the person that actually grew it um which i think is a problem because if if you don't see that person will you care about if they got a fair wage if they uh, treat their land uh, in a way that is uh, sustainable um i think these are really important things to care about and if there's so much distance between you and and the person that does that then that uh, there's no connection um and the supermarkets get even more uh, free way to uh, just do it the way they like and is most profitable to be fair, in an ideal world, I think we would only get food in the way you just described and organizations like us, like, I mean, what we're doing is we, we collect all the food waste, but in an ideal society, an organization like us wouldn't exist because like, yeah, you wouldn't have so much waste food. And like, if you would really feel the connection, like, I mean, and for a lot of people, it sounds abstract, but I feel like hundred years ago, or if you go to a lot of countries in the world where they have less money, actually, this is still the case they they barely waste any food uh, and this is what you actually want to have that you feel responsibility with food that you feel connection with the food connection with the farmers and i think this is super beautiful in your organization that ideally we want to have that and then i think the problem of food waste will dissolve by itself and yeah we 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 don't i mean we will be doing it in a different way i mean but the food waste problem i think it doesn't need organizations like us like you cannot create a million organizations like us to to tackle the food waste problem. I mean, in the end of the day, individuals have to feel the responsibility and not somebody quick fixing it. But that's my opinion. From a perhaps too superficial perspective, uh, one could say that taste before you waste uh, tackles the food problems at the end of the pie. Yeah. Uh, while Foucault focuses more on production side of the uh, beginning. And I wonder if this is too superficial or if you would say this is sort of a fair representation of uh, how you see yourself in, in the food system. Yeah, I think that's really fair. Maybe we're a plaster on the problem, <laughs> whereas you're helping patients. Yeah, would you think? Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this, it sounds correct. Yeah, I'm thinking, do we also do something at the end? Would you think that that's a limitation or is that a strength, you know, to focus your your effort and uh, also your expertise that you're building in, you know, through your activities on one section of the food system is that a strength or is it a limitation because you don't tackle the problem more structurally that's a good question i would just add do you think that there are ways to intervene into these problems from a more structural point of view being plaster is fine, but do you think that there might be some other ways of intervention or do you think this is the best we can do or how do you see this kind of relationship? I mean, what I just said was also meant that what we're practically doing, but next to that, we're trying to create awareness about food waste. And this is sort of then, hopefully, if people <laughs> listen to us, uh, creating more on a structural basis, like to when you go to a shop, wherever you're going to go to take the apple with the rotten spot because if you know you're not going to buy it they're going to throw it away and like these are little examples where yeah we need to raise awareness about it that we feel responsibility and then i think we do go or touch at least a bit of the more of the structural problem but the fundamental i think should be coming up from initiatives selling food in a more responsible way and not again what i just said yeah mm -hmm. That's why I already anticipated that my question 
could be a, more of a superficial reading of your of your activities because I do think you go beyond. Uh, so there's probably a core uh, set of activities you do that focuses really on well, in your case, just before you waste some waste. But there's there are learning processes and awareness building uh, that go beyond, and also the participating in all those other uh, struggles um, on food security, on, on environmental issues in the city. So I was trying to challenge you a little bit, but I, I would definitely agree with you. I think it's there, there's there are spin-offs of what you and also FOCO does that I think we should value more and and are not just side products or side effects, but really are, are quite integral to to sort of the the value of really what you're doing. Even even though I do want to add that if you talk about food waste, everybody agrees with you. Like if you if you all the tips or things we're gonna say, everybody agrees with you. Food waste is bad and we should tackle it. But in the end of the day, nobody's doing it and because people are not intrinsically motivated. Because they want to have the apple, which looks quite nice. And I feel projects like you do, I think you're sort of forcing people to feel this responsibility in, in so, instead of forcing them to listen to know how to live, you know. And I think this is really important because we shouldn't, it shouldn't become like sort of an ideology you need to believe in. And then you're doing ethically, no, it should be like interwoven. And I think when you create a food system which sort of, when these ideals and these practices are really interwoven, you, yeah, you, you don't need to teach people, and that is super important. Yeah, that's something I was to add. Bit and like not focusing so much on the consumer, but on the system as a whole. In that, you can't just fault someone for not wanting a nice apple if they have no connection to that apple. Whereas if maybe if they've grown it or they have some interest in its process, then they're going to choose the one that looks a bit wonky, but it's also quite sweet. Well, it's actually funny, maybe that's a bit of a side path, but um, in, in FOCO, you sometimes you have you get something and you think, oh, this is small, or oh, this has a chunky part, or there was one year where there was a, a particular insect uh, was, was very present on the, on the cabbage. And then uh, the farmer just tells us and tells us why this is so and tells us like you probably can rinse it the best way like this. But I would have never bought that in the supermarket. But because they tell me beforehand and I know this person and they tell me like they edu actually educate me uh, a little bit like, oh, this is the, the reality of the of the work. I think like, oh, OK, let's do it. I'll just clean it. And I have to stress that that's like not always the case, <laughs> that 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 um, things don't look nice, not at all. But I think that's a nice example of, of how having a connection to your farmer also makes you more um, tolerant or, yeah, to that kind of thing. I, I guess also the food waste, as you said, Baron, that everybody agrees that you wouldn't want food waste and probably also the supermarkets wouldn't want it because it's a cost for them, right? Um, and I wonder what you think or how you relate to the, this uh, buzzword or idea which is now picking up very rapidly of the circular economy. Uh, someone might probably label uh, taste before you waste as a circular business or a circular project. And I wonder if you would feel comfortable with that or not. Yeah, I mean, I would say... You can label it like that, but I mean, 
in that sense, circular economy is not uh, really solving any problem. You shouldn't be content and feel like, oh, now we, everything is circular, we're, we're there, you know, I, that's bullshit, I think. It, it feels, to me, it feels a bit like you're you're saying that, that um, food waste is here to stay when, when you say it's part of the circular economy, because you say it's like an, an always uh, a stream that is always there and we can always do something uh, new with it. Uh, well, actually, we should just stop it, right? Yeah. yeah, quite an inefficient circle. Yeah. Leaky. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, is that what you're aiming at? or? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think there are some flows that you wouldn't want to have. And yeah, I, I, I'm quite critical myself of the, of the circular economy. That's why I was asking. Uh, I think that it's, it's one of those terms and, and ideas that uh, it's very popular because everybody seems to agree. You know, you would want to close circles and be more efficient and so on. But I, I agree a lot with, with Baron and it's some often it's also a way to work around the problem rather than to solve it. So um, for me, it would be problematic if uh, to be labeled as a as a circular economy because it almost um, feels you're not really tackling tackling the problem, right? And and we were talking about this just a, a minute ago, so yeah. Before going into a kind of visionary question, I wonder, for instance, from a research perspective, Giuseppe, how do you how do you name the problem here? How can we name it? Do you can can you uh, be more explicit about that? Or it might be perhaps a PhD thesis question, <laughs> but I wonder, you know, can we can we have a name here about these problems? I think one label would be sustainability in, in its broadest sense. So it's ecological sustainability. But it's also labor and justice, social justice. Some others would probably use the uh, the term food sovereignty, which also connects to um, sort of um, these ideas and what we're talking today. Uh, so perhaps less of an emphasis on on the ecological aspects, but uh, more really on access to food in a way that is adequate, but also culturally uh, appropriate. Uh, so again, also dimensions of justice and rights to food. It's, it's difficult to find one one single label um, because the problem is, is quite complex. Uh, the food system has many different actors, many different dimensions and layers to the problem. Yeah, and the economy, the economic layer, ecological, and each of these layers in, in itself is many different aspects. So if you just take the ecological dimension of farming or of food distribution and consumption. You know, you have soil, water, you have dependency on fossil fuels, you have uh, emission of greenhouse gases. So, yeah, even each of these layers per se is quite complex. So um, to find one label is, uh, is difficult. Probably if I, w had, I was forced, I would either use food sustainability or unsustainability, understood in, in this broad sense. Or food sovereignty, pushing really for the aspects of justice and, and cultural appropriateness that we've also seen in the in the conversation so far. Yeah, just building on that, that it's a kind of complex problem we see, and probably from different aspects we approach this and try to, to some extent, resolve or at least try to manage this. And I wonder, or at least given the notion of Anders Utrecht, um, what kind of food sustainability you envision? What is the vision 
that you want to reach or that uh, taste before you waste wants to reach or Foucault wants to reach? How how and and what do you do in order to reach this ultimate vision uh, that uh, these organizations have? Yeah, I would love for everyone to be able to um, grow their own food if they want to grow their own food. So we'll need a little bit of land. And then, yeah, maybe we don't work so many hours, so we have time to farm this land. And then, yeah, we just have more of a connection. Um, how would you envisage it, Behrend? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's such a huge topic that it's like, yeah, I mean, you're living in a capitalist society, like you want to know the ideal what in a capitalist society or outside. And, and I always find it hard to, to think about ideal world if you're stuck in a system with so much oppression uh, and that, yeah, we, we're going to think separate from the system or you want to think within the system. Yeah, within the system, you can, of course, have nice solutions, but then still, yeah, it, it feels like a bit of a dream. And, and, that's, and I feel that, yeah, we need to really tackle these oppressions in a multi-layered way and not... I cannot give an answer or like how does anti-food waste uh, practices go like without uh, addressing other struggles, you know? So it, yeah, it feels like a bit of a bubble if, if thing to, to say yeah, to me. Okay. Leonie, any perspectives from Foucault or from your personal view? Well, um, for me, uh, one that is very important, if uh, I would envision uh, a world where, where people quite actively choose uh, where where to buy their food because they agree with the principles of the of the person selling it instead of it just being a complete black box and, and just being so focused on uh, what is the most the easiest. Um, I think that would be really interesting because then you really use your, your money for something that you know you you stand by. Yeah, I think this would also already make a big difference. Great. I think these are really important insights. Yes. Just yeah, something. just hearing the here the, the answer here, I was wondering to what extent is the vision of a better food system or a better society really a driver for uh, taste before you waste a foco as compared to perhaps the analysis of the problems as they are now in the present. So and again, I'm simplifying a bit to, for the sake of the conversation to, to uh, tease out perhaps some, some interesting insights here, but whether you're more pulled towards that vision of the future that you would like to realize, or rather sort of the realization that there are some problems here now with certain history that you'd like to tackle. But yeah, so it's more the present and the past or, or the future that pushes you. Well, I would say that um, in general, it's 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 actually not problems at all that that push me because um, I think why I joined was because I thought it was super cool, super fun, and of course I thought it was cool because I know these problems. Um, but yeah, for me, it's basically really interesting, and also uh, I learn a lot. Yeah, yeah. For me, I I can't speak for the entirety of Taste Free Waste, but um, I would say definitely focus on like the now instead of uh future because it feels like quite a messy problem there's lots of different knots to untangle yeah i totally agree with that and then yeah maybe when you're connecting with other groups then you feel more the idealism of the future that's how i feel it that like we are, what we're doing is a very now problem but then yeah being in solidarity with other groups or uh, doing other stuff then you really think about the future like yeah how to tackle problems as racism, as sexism, you know, and that, that really feels like a, 
ideal f future world and how to tackle food waste the way we do really feels like okay this is very now now very very uh, interesting insights and i guess quite thought-provoking for everyone and um uh, with this, I would like to divert the discussion a bit because uh, for more than a year we are uh, we have been living under uh, COVID pandemic conditions. And uh, given what you deal with, the food, which is quite material, uh, quite need for everyone, uh, we would like to hear also how you managed this in the last uh, one year. How how did COVID impact, or still perhaps how does COVID impact uh, your uh, organization or your group? Yeah, well, actually, it's quite funny because our uh, membership uh, has doubled. So I don't know. I, I um, Either people uh, saw the light and thought, oh, I see the whole picture now and uh, the connections between uh, viruses and, and how we treat the land and how we treat animals and forests. And I have to start eating more local or... Uh, Maybe people just thought like, oh, it's really uh, nice to not have to go to the supermarket. Let's let's do it differently. <laughs> uh, so either way, we we grew a lot, and we were also very thankful for for Averechts, the cafe, to to continue to be open for us, uh, or at least the space. Otherwise, it would have been difficult. Yeah, and and of course there were some difficulties like. Normally you would team up with someone to go to uh, a farm, uh, but then you have to sit in the car next to each other. Maybe let's just not do that. Or yeah, it was just felt to me like small practical problems. So uh, COVID has done us uh, good. <laughs> um, yeah, we had the same. We had more volunteers for sure. Um, and we also joined initially for the summer last year, we joined different uh, food collectors and we formed a group called the Solidarity Kitchen and we served food every single day instead of just on a Saturday. So there was a free meal outside Aki, which is the kitchen space and social centre that we use in the centre of Utrecht. Um But yeah, obviously we were limited in the kitchen, so we um, cut the volunteers in half, so there's only four people. Uh, so it was less social and we couldn't serve people inside, which meant it was a takeaway service. So the entire aspect of our um, initiative to be building this community and people share a meal all together. Um, yeah, that wasn't there anymore. Um, but now that uh, things are opening up, we start serving on the streets again. So we meet people, we ask if they want a free meal, and then we have a nice conversation with them. And uh, just building on this, uh, having lived this, in these conditions and also trying to deal with the you know, demand or with needs, etc. cetera, um, how do you see your impact in the city? Um. I mean, I think so. It's hard to really notice what, what what the impact is, but what for sure is the case is like a lot of more people know us, more uh, people contact us. So I think this is a really big impact. And the first thing next to that, I mean, when I started like six years ago, we only did like one or two picks up pickups a week, and this we are doing it almost every day. And so that's that's a huge difference. So we're reaching more people, and we're we're tackling yeah, we're taking more food. So in that sense, I do see a lot of impact. But yeah, other than that, it's hard to see really. Well, I, I don't think less people are hungry, for example. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. yeah. I, well, I couldn't know that, you know. So, But there are those people you touch, right? That And also the awareness you created, just as uh, Giuseppe mentioned, that through other activities, through other involvements, uh, 
And um, Leonie, uh, would you like to? Um, yeah, I think our impact, I think it's basically things that I already mentioned. Um, well, at least at, at our scale, of course, we've grown now, but of course, we are, are still small, small scale. But uh, yeah, less less packaging, uh, more income for, for uh, local farmers, even. Yeah, I wouldn't, I, I don't think we're like such a big part of their income but actually during covid we we heard from them that we were like a stable factor which was a comfort so that's really cool i guess it's most easy for me to answer personally um because i feel i feel very educated also because for example one of our um suppliers new slagmaat she's like an experimental farmer really cool she grows uh, kiwis and they you can <laughs> apparently I mean, who knew? Um, and this is something you always see them coming from New Zealand. And apparently that's not uh, necessary. So why do we do it? So I think education is a really um, big impact also. And um, given that you are uh, your, your, your group and uh, FOCO uh, are quite active, um, do you think that would there be more opportunities to consolidate this impact or improve this impact? Um, how do you see your role? Uh, I mean, would you like to stay as is or would you like to have some alliances or would you like to collaborate with others? Or I don't know, maybe there might be some other ways from your perspective. How do you, how do you see that? How to boost impact or how to, you know, I don't know, maybe intervene into some structural dynamics. I don't know. Yeah, for us, definitely setting up more solidarity fridges would be really nice. Um, there's a second now, Anuta, um, but we quite like spots that are accessible. So like on the street, in neighborhoods. Yeah, and the idea is that it self-sustains, like people just drop food off who live around it and pick food up to use it. Is, is it literally literally a, a fridge in the, in the street? Yeah, ah, cool. so all it needs is some electricity from the house inside. Ah, fun. Cool. Are there any plans adding more? Uh, are, you, are you in search of new places, for instance? Or yeah, it's hard to 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 find for some reason. <laughs> a lot of times, yeah, and super nice idea, and then yeah, it doesn't really come true. So I mean, for everybody who's listening, if you <laughs> you have a place <laughs> where you can uh, host a fridge, like please get in touch with us. We take care of the cleaning, uh, and we will provide the beginning uh, a lot of food. But in the end, today this the idea is that people from the neighborhood uh, provide food and. and the neighborhood also takes care of it, but for sure we help you with starting it up. In Institute Recht, right? In Institute Recht, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, for me, I think, um, well, this is also a difficult thing because uh, if we grow even further, we, we will have more and more impact. But also because we're a volunteer organization, um, there's, there's limits to our growth. I mean, well, for example, we already heard from the people that do joined during the COVID period that could feel a bit lost, for example, because normally we would host dinners and you would meet everyone, but they would feel like, oh, okay, I don't know what this is about. And I guess when you get bigger and bigger and bigger, it's it's more difficult to, to keep that feeling like we are a community. But that's also something I think it would be interesting to, if we would collaborate more with other organizations, that we could also talk about stuff like this. Until now, we, we haven't done that so much, but uh, I would love to do that more. That would be nice. And also, it would be really nice if, for example, the municipality would uh, chip in a bit 
we would have more positive impact if we would actually drive electrical cars if we pick up the food because the uh, transport system of of the bigger corporations it's so efficient i mean you can't it's, you can barely beat that it's so efficient and uh, we drive with a with a um, gas car or two gas cars per week uh, to our suppliers and in the end i don't know how how what what is the exact sum of like per vegetable are we less sustainable in that or, or are we more sustainable in the end that's really something i would would wish to have like a transcription of a of a electrical car rental something like that if i may um because the what Leonie and Baron touched upon um some of these barriers that we we hear a lot uh in or, or read a lot in in, in research huh? in the studies of this type of initiative so first the difficulty when the initiatives grow so to maintain the same dynamics for for example horizontal dynamics uh, internal governance and maintaining those relations and sort of community based but also uh the barrier that initiatives face when they start to interact with the municipality or with the market because the market follows certain logics so whenever there's an interaction with the market it's uh, often difficult for for the initiatives to um to stay true to their own logic which might be mo- non-monetary more democratic more inclusive and the, also the interactions with the sort of the local authorities are often tense or, or uh not really smooth because on the one end the municip- many municipalities look at the uh grassroots initiatives in a very positive way because of the impact they have on on the city but on the other end uh, also the municipality imposes certain logic so to access public spaces you need to follow certain rules and there are certain uh, limitations to that uh, or to access resources yeah so uh I just noticed this uh these challenges that uh you are experiencing and you were talking about are quite common. So what should we do? <laughs> I, I don't know how to finish this but <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> That's uh, actually exact point where we are coming to the end uh, of this uh, episode. What should we do or what audience uh, should do uh, if they are interested in food sustainability, if, given that it's a quite complex problem? What would you suggest to our audiences? If if someone feels really like, like wants to get really active, it would be cool if someone would want to start a, a second uh, FOCO, maybe at another part of town. Um, but well, that's that's a bit a big thing. But a uh, small thing is, of course, join join Foco if you if you like the concept. Um, we have a website. Um, it's focoutrecht.nl, and we also have our our own podcast there, uh, which is fun to listen um, because uh, it it introduces you to the farmers. And I think also the the Anders Utrecht website is a nice starting point because there you can see all the kinds of initiatives and then you can see like, oh, but maybe food waste is more something for me. or So that's what I would recommend. Um, yeah, I guess a couple of things that we've already mentioned, um, helping us set up a solidarity fridge would be really cool. Um, like Berlin mentioned with the apple, um, something you can do is just take fruit or veg that looks a bit weird um, and join taste free waste. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or set up your own. I mean, also for those people listening outside of Utrecht, like 
it's basically i mean you can always ask us for help and everything but we really would encourage people to make dealers with our local grocery store and i mean you don't have to be super big you can just pick up food and bring it to your local shelter maybe once a week maybe once a month and by that slowly you can decide to grow or you can decide to stay but to really feel empowered to 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 tackle this problem and to also really copy your concept we really we don't want to say oh this is our way of doing and we this is our brand no we really encourage people to totally copy it and to to ask us or to do it a bit different but to really feel empowered to either join us or to make your own chapter and i think for food not bombs has a really nice uh food not bombs on that they have like a really nice list of how to set up your own food not bombs which is a very similar organization to what we do but it's not so popular anymore in netherlands but it used to be 10 years ago uh, so yeah i would say that great so there are these suggestions and some other directions uh, for how to be active uh, for food sustainability and with this uh, i would like to thank uh, leonie berend and jody and also of course would like to thank to you personally but also to your organizations for doing this uh, great work uh, taking attention to Uh, issues of waste or issues of sustainability and also acknowledging the value uh, provided by local farmers or local producers um and we will uh, uh go on uh, these conversations from uh, of course uh, with with other organizations with uh, other topics uh, as part of this series uh, this was about food and sustainability in uh, Utrecht city and please uh, tune in uh, for other sessions uh, about culture and sustainability about art and sustainability about social justice and sustainability so we would like to uh, contribute these uh, conversations as Anders Utrecht and thanks again also Giuseppe for uh, bringing insights from his research. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.